really um, starting a new series today. So if you're here for the very first time, you're right on time. And uh, we're going to track through this probably three or four weeks. But I want to talk to you and begin to lay the foundation on the subject matter of worship. Worship. Talk to you why it matters, the importance of it, what's involved with it, and um, how that, if we're not careful, we will allow the enemy to rob us of what God created us to do, and that is to worship him. So before we begin, would you just, would you do me a favor? Would you stretch your hands towards me? I need your prayers today. Would you pray with me and pray for me as we go forward this morning? Father, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity to once again, Lord, be able to speak your word. I pray, God, that you would use me, God, for your glory and for your honor. I pray, God, that uh, we would hear what your spirit is saying today. I ask, God, that you would just speak to us, God, and Lord, not only be a hearer of the word today, but God, we would be a doer of your word. We would apply it to our lives, and Father, that somehow, someway, Lord, through your word today, that we would leave here different than we came. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said, amen. Just jump jump right in here. There are two things that the enemy has been up to since the beginning of time. And um, I want to share those with you. The first thing that the enemy has been up to is that he has attacked the word of God from the very beginning. You remember, you go back into the garden And the question that he had to Adam and Eve was simply, did God say? And ever since then, he's been attacking the word of God. We see that today. We see that in our culture today. We hear things like, well, that really doesn't mean that. Or we hear things like, well, I really don't feel like that's what God means by that. And what's happened in our society today and in our churches, we have adopted a hedonistic culture when it comes to God's word. Let me, let me say what that means. It simply means that you do what's right based upon your feelings. And so if it feels right, then it must be okay. And so we hear things like, this is how I feel about that. Or we hear things, this is how God made me. Or we hear things like, well, don't judge me. I always thought that was interesting that, you know, we tell people, well, you know, you can't judge. You know, you shouldn't judge. Well, you know, the Bible said that you'll know people by their fruit. And so you have to examine fruit, right? You have to be able to see if that fruit is ripe and see if that fruit is right. Um, but, But one of the things that always caught me about not judging people is, We really do it all the time. Because if you weren't judging people, you'd just let your kids go run off with anybody. I knew that would go over like that. I mean, if if, if we're not supposed to judge, then why just not let your kid go with that individual? Or you see what I'm saying? So we do it whether we realize it or not. But but when we bring it into the church and we think about it in the concept of, of, well, you know, Is this right or is that wrong? Well, we can't judge. Well, yeah, we can. God's word is the standard in which we live by. Looking for an amen right there. God's word is the standard by which we live by. Because if if we just go by the way everyone feels, then everyone's going to have a different idea, a different concept on certain matters. How many of you know God's word speaks about all things? 
Okay, I just want to make sure we knew that. So the second thing that's been under attack since the, really the beginning of time is worship. Everyone say worship. Because the enemy has tried to steal or to rob or to take away our worship from God. In heaven, one of the first things that we read about in relation to the devil is that he tried to get the worship off of God. And he tried to exalt himself above God. Isaiah chapter 14, uh, verses uh, 14 through 15 tell us that Lucifer, Satan, said on five different times, I will, I will exalt myself, I will exalt myself above God. And we know what happened then when he tried to exalt himself and take the worship away from God and put it on himself that he was cast out of heaven. Ironically enough, that it began with the enemy trying to redirect worship, this world will end with the enemy trying to redirect worship. Our Bible teaches us in the book of Revelation that there will come a time and there will come a day when the enemy will set up an image of himself in Jerusalem, in the temple, and he will command everyone to bow and to worship that, that idol, that image of himself. The Bible also teaches us this, that if you do not bow and worship him, if you do not take that mark of the beast, 666, the number of man, you'll not be able to buy, you'll not be able to sell, you'll not be able to trade. In other words, you will not be able to do anything that you're able to do now as far as living. And, and if you take that mark, the Bible says that you will be damned throughout all eternity. And so you have to re refuse to bow to that image, right? Well, we believe, I believe, in what's called a pre-tribulation. And I'm on the first train out of here when, when the trumpet sounds. Is anybody going to join me? Amen. In that. So, so what I'm trying to get you to see is I'm trying to get you to see that the enemy from the beginning all the way up until the very end is trying to redirect worship. He's trying to rob the worship that is solely directly supposed to go to God because worship is not worship unless his worth is declared, not ours. That's worship, right? And so worship must be all about Jesus. Come on, somebody. Say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what worship is about. So the Bible on many different occasions, all throughout Old Testament, New Testament, gives a call to worship. As believers, we are called to worship. You may want to write that down. You may want to think about that for a minute. You are called to worship. So what does that look like? What does that look like, worship? If we're going to talk about defining what worship looks like. Well, one of the ways, one of the things that worship looks like, Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we're going to look at, uh, at this verse, and it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. God ever done anything for anybody in this room here today? Thank you. And it says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what? To what? 
to worship him. So Paul is saying, listen, I'm pleading with you. Now, that word does not mean, well, if you want to or if you don't want to. He's not suggesting to us that we worship. This word is given in the command form. He's, he's really saying, I'm summonsing you. I'm commissioning or commanding you that you are to worship God. He says we are to what? How do we do that? He said we are to give our bodies to him. That Paul was really talking about more than just giving our physical self to him. He's talking about your spirit. He's talking about your soul. And he is talking about your body. Because God wants not just your work, because you and I could get caught up in doing all kinds of work for God, but yet never giving ourselves to God. You can get caught up in the work of the ministry rather than serving the God of our ministry. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then he says, let me give you a reason, and listen, in case you're looking for a reason to worship. The reason that you need to worship is not so that you can attain mercy, but the reason that you should be worshiping God is because he's already extended mercy to us. And so he's saying you need to worship God because of the great mercy in which he has shown to us. So I'm not worshiping to get something from God. I'm worshiping because he's already given me everything that I already need in this life. In other words, I'll say it this way. God's been really, really good to us. We need to worship him. Do I have a witness in the house? He's been good to us. And then he says something like this. He says you are to be... A living sacrifice. Well, the dictionary defines a sacrifice as anything consecrated, separated, sanctified, set apart, and offered to God. So he's saying, I want you, not just the Sunday you, not just when I get in trouble you. God is saying, I want you, not just the physical you, God is saying, I want all of you. I want you to consecrate. I want you to separate. I want you to dedicate every bit of yourself unto me. He's saying, I want you to come under my control. I want you to come under my lordship. I want you to come under my influence. And the only way that you can do that is to yield yourself as an instrument of righteousness unto God. Amen. So we are called to worship. Say, I'm called to worship. The second thing I want us to understand is this. You were created to worship. Say, I'm created to worship. You're created to worship. We were created first and foremost Spirit beings. I've said this many times. We are not human beings trying to have a spiritual experience, but we are spirit beings dealing with human experiences. They that worship me must worship me in what? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Spirit. You know God through and by your spirit, right? You, when you become born again, it's your spirit that knows God. Your mind knows about God. Your heart knows God. And this is how he says, I want you to worship me. Not with your mind. I want you to worship me with your heart. I want you to worship me with 
your spirit. This is how we know and we get the truth of the revelation that we were created to worship him. We were created in his image. We were created in his likeness. We were made to worship. Worship matters. It's not optional. It is our primary purpose on this planet. Everything else we do is secondary. Being a husband is secondary. Being a father is secondary. Being a pastor is secondary. Being this, that, or the other is secondary. All, all to the primary purpose that I was created. And the primary purpose in which I was created was to give glory and honor to God and to magnify his holy name. Come on, somebody. It all belongs to him. So what we do with our time, what we do with our talent, what we do with our treasure matters. It's important. First and foremost, it belongs to him. We become like the apostle Paul said, we become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, a person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will come out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine, watch this, our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship. Here it is. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Whatever we are worshiping, that's what we are becoming. That's who we are. So worship matters. It matters because if we're not worshiping our creator, then we're trying to fit something else in his rightful place, and nothing else will fit that place of worship. This is where people get lost a lot. This is where people have a misunderstanding because there is a void that can only be created in your heart and in your life by truly worshiping God. And if you try to fill that spot with anything else, whether it's another relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's success, whether it's the pursuit of power, it makes no difference. If you try to fulfill that spot with anything else, you're always going to find yourself void and you're always going to find yourself empty. Why? Because you were created to worship and to glorify your creator. Anything else that goes above that becomes an idol. Idolatry is simply bowing down and offering our hearts to a false god. And some of you may be in this room today and you may be thinking, well, this message isn't for me because I am not an idol worshiper. I don't have any pagan statues or any uh, exotic shrines erected to a false god in the form of some type of ob object in my home. I don't bow to any of these uh, objects. I don't worship any idols. But I would suggest to you that idolatry comes in many different forms and many different pa fashions. Because for some, idolatry is power. They are in pursuit of power. They are in pursuit of control. And it consumes them. It's what they think about. It's what they work towards. It's all about gaining power. For others, it's about money. How much money can I gain? How much money can I get? 
And so they work hours and hours and hours, and they, and they sacrifice things that they shouldn't sacrifice, all at, the, uh, all at the sake of the altar of pursuing money. For others, it's pleasure. How can I satisfy myself? How can I, I just want to, I just want to be happy all the time. And so there's this, there's this search for pleasure, pleasure for others. It's the, it's the idol of a career. You've set this idol up and you said, this is what I want. This is what I'm going after. And it's above everything else in your life for others itself. It's ironic that we live in a world today that is obsessed with selfies It's all about self. And so if we're not careful, we ourselves will become an idol where we worship ourselves. An idol is anything or anyone you value more than God. Worship is our response to what we value the most. And you have to give your time and your talent and your treasure to what you value the most. Someone would say, well, how do I know what I'm worshiping. How do I know where I'm worshiping? Here's what I want you to do this week. All I want you to do is this. I want you to follow the trail of your time. I want you to follow the trail of your affection. I want you to follow the trail of your energy. I want you to follow the trail of your money. I want you to follow the trail of your loyalty because all of those things will lead you to what you are worshiping. Someone said, well, you know what, Pastor? You know, I mean, I have to work, and I have all these hours. I get it. I understand that. And more importantly, God understands that. So it's not about, it's not about the quality of that time or the quantity of that time, but it's about the quality. In other words, I know I have to work X amount of hours today. So guess what? I'm going to give the very first part of that time to God. And if it's just five minutes... It's God, I'm sanctifying. I'm setting this time aside for you. It's yours before I do anything else, before I leave this house, uh, before I answer any calls, before I answer any emails. God, this is your time. I'm dedicating it to you. If you really want to know what you're worshiping, start tracing and tracking those things in your life, and it will lead you to what you are worshiping. Because the truth of the matter is simply this. We are all worshiping something. Something. Whether it is deliberate or not, we are worshiping something. Why? Because that's how God made us. That's how God created us. And obviously, not all of us have chose to worship God. And if you're worshiping anything but him, I can promise you this. I can promise you, you'll never be satisfied. And you'll never be empowered to fulfill your purpose as long as you're worshiping anything other than God, right? So let's do a little worship checkup today. Are you ready for a checkup? All right, the doctor's in. Here we go. Are you ready for it? Let's look at what Jesus says. Let's, let's, let's see what he has to say about worship. This is what he says. Mark 12, 30, what's the greatest commandment? And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And with all of your strength, this is the first commandment. In other words, if you don't get this right, nothing else is going to fall in line for you. If you don't understand this principle, nothing else is really going to work for you. This is the foundation in which you're going to have to build everything else off of. And he says, first and foremost, 
I have to be Lord of your life. Nothing else but me. All of these other things have to come after him. Everyone say first. Has to be him. Has to be him. Okay, thank you. Then he says this. He says, you are to worship me how? With your heart and with your soul. So what does that look like? What does that mean? To worship him with your heart and with your soul, it means affection. Affection. Worship is supposed to be affectionate. Say another word. There's supposed to be passion attached to it. Anything that you love, you're passionate about. Come on, agree with me. If you love it, you're passionate about it. And you'll do anything for it. If you truly love it, you're going to pursue. You're going to go after it. You're going to have zeal. You're going to have energy. People are going to know what you're passionate about. They're going to know by your pursuit. And I just, I just happen to believe and think that people should be able to look at us and look at our life, not just in this room, but look at our life and understand and know that we are passionate about Jesus. Come on, church. That it's not just a Sunday thing for us. That we are truly passionate about Jesus on Monday, on Tuesday, and all throughout the week. In every area and every aspect of our life, we are affectionate and passionate about Jesus. And if you're passionate about something, you cannot and will not stay quiet. You ever find somebody who is really passionate about something they like? Aren't they constantly telling and talking to you about it? Oh man, you need you need to do you need to try that you need to go here you need constantly promoting constantly this is good this is what you need right and if we're truly passionate about Jesus and truly worshipers of Jesus then that needs to be seen in our life and we need to be able to share those things with other people man why are you, why do you go to church every week because I love Jesus. Why do you serve on a dream team? Because I love Jesus. You give how much to the church? Why do you do that? Because I love Jesus. Because anything that you're passionate about and anything that you love, you're going to worship and it's going to get your time, it's going to get your treasure, and it's going to get your talent. Come on, that's a good place to give God praise. <clears throat> you know, I was at a worship service this week and... Um, it was, it, was, it was just, it was amazing, really, it was. Um, one of the things, a couple of things I noticed about this worship experience and this worship service that I was at, that people were literally there hours before the service even began. Hours. <laughs> Should I say it? <clears throat> Not 20 minutes after it started. Because after all, it's just the worship part of the service. I don't need that. <clears throat> Getting tight in here. But I noticed these folks were like two hours before the service even began. And they were getting ready for the service. They really were. 
They were preparing themselves for the service. And then, then when we got into the service, I was watching the people, and they were so passionate about their worship. I was like, man, I wish I could just bring this back to the church. I wish I could just put it in a bottle and bring it back and just say, here it is, take it. And I looked around, and people were clapping, and people were shouting. There were people that were singing. I saw some people dancing. People had their hands lifted up. People were shouting. There were a couple people jumping up and down. Yeah, I was at a worship service. And there were people from all different various backgrounds, social, economic, educational backgrounds that were united together in this service. And you knew they were all in. As a matter of fact, it gripped me so much. I said, I've got to get a, I have to take video of this and show our church because if they can do that here, there, why can't we do it here? And so I want to show you this video. I want you to look at it with me. Are you ready for it? Taking it the distance wow. for the touchdown is Sheehy Giuseppe no on play. a terrific special teams play. And now Freddie can smile because he has seen all of the units <laughs> do their thing. And do you I think, love the celebration, Do you think they're man. happy for Sheehy or not? Yeah, he is is a, awesome. He's a team favorite. He is. His story is just amazing. I got you, didn't I? I really got you on that one. I mean, it's, I, I told him in the first service, I want to preach a sermon so good that y'all come running up here and tackle me like they did Giuseppe there, just start piling on. That's when I know I did it. I, I just scored the touchdown. But, but honestly, I thought about that. And you've heard me talk about this before. Why is it that we're not afraid? We're not ashamed? We'll sit beside complete strangers. High five them, hug them. Right? Shout, jump, sing. I did all of it there. I mean, we were there. We were right with, we were right in the worship service. <laughs> Only I was late because I couldn't find my parking spot. But anyhow, <laughs> I'm just trying to get us to see something here. God created us to worship him. And I'm all right with that. I really am. I'm okay with people spending their time. I'm okay with them spending their treasure because it ain't cheap. And I'm all right with them, however they're giving their talent. I'm all right with that as long as it doesn't supersede this. I'm all right with it. And here's what I want. I'm okay. If, if you have enough of you to go and do, celebrate, clap, shout, whatever there, and then come here and say, well, you know, this is the house of God. We're supposed to be reverent, reverend, be reverent. No, Jesus said, if you don't cry out, these rocks are going to cry out, right? Why? Because they were created to praise him. And so this is not a funeral. Jesus is alive and well. He is alive and well. We're not mourning 
We are rejoicing the fact that Jesus is alive and well, and if he's for us, who can be against us? Okay, I got two minutes. I'm going to say two minutes. Psalm, thank you. Psalms 150. Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Oh, you're there. Thank you. Praise him in his temple. Well, we got to stop right there because he was talking about the temple, Solomon, the tabernacle of David, Moses' tabernacle, that temple. Well, we know now who's, where's the temple? We are. We're the temple. All right, so we are to be praising him. And in the heavens, he made with mighty power. Praise him for his mighty works. Has God done anything for anyone in this room today? I just need to know. Praise his unequaled, there's none beside him. There's not one like him. There's none you can compare to him. Praise him with the trumpet, with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the drums and dancing. Praise him with the string instruments and the horns. This is what they were doing at the praise service I was in this week. Praise him with the cymbals. Yes, loud clanging cymbals. Let everything alive give praise to the Lord. Now look at your neighbor and ask him, are you breathing? Then tell him you should be praising. Right? Am I right? Now, hold on. In case you're wondering, some of you are saying, well, that's for somebody else. No, you're right there. Ken, praise him. Marcus, praise him. You need to put your name right there. Because he's talking to you. So whoever you is, you need to be praising him. So let's just take the next 30 seconds and give God some praise and give God some glory. Come on, church. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Come on and give him praise in this house. Praise him in the dance. Praise him with the clapping of the hands. Praise him with shouting of your voice. Praise him. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Amen. I watched that happen as Giuseppe scored that touchdown. I mean, people were going crazy, right? And we know Jesus has done more for us than any football player any team could ever do for us. I got to share this with you and I'm done. First closing, or is this the second? Second. Wow. <laughs> A lot of love in here. Remember I told you earlier, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, talks about the fall, Satan saying, I will exalt, I will exalt, I will exalt myself. Well, the verse prior to that says this. Isaiah 14, 11 says, your pomp has brought you to um, Shiloh and the sound of your stringed instruments. That's what I want you to see. 
the sound of your string instruments. Ezekiel 28, all right? Ezekiel 28. Son of man, take up lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Here's the key part of this scripture. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, the barrel, oxen, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship, this is what I want to get to. The timbrels and the pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. So this scripture is not talking about an earthly king. It's talking about Lucifer, okay, who became Satan when he fell from heaven. All right, stick with me. So the Bible tells us that when God created Lucifer, he was an anointed cherub, all right? One of the archangels, I should say. Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer, the three archangels. He never fit from the beginning. Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer. Okay, now watch this. God created Lucifer and put within Lucifer his very being instruments. Not that he walked around with picking up instruments like we do, but within his very being, string instruments, horns, every, every instrument you can think of, God placed it in his being. So whenever he would walk in heaven, out of him, some scholars believe, permeating from him, was constant worship because he was anointed by God to lead worship in heaven. All right? He was a worship leader in heaven. What happened was he tried, again, to rob or to steal worship from God and put, him on, put it on himself. And when that happened, he fell from heaven. So Lucifer is no longer in charge of worship in God's kingdom. So my question to you is simply this, who replaced him? Okay, let's, let's track this for a minute. Could it be Gabriel? Let's think about that for a minute. One of the, one of the uh, three archangels. But Gabriel is attached to the word. Because remember when he showed up and pronounced to Mary, you're highly favored, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. So he was a, he's a carrier of the word. Well, Michael shows up in the book of Daniel as a carrier of prayer. Remember Daniel's prayer and God sent the archangel Michael to deliver the, the request? So you have Gabriel the word, Michael, prayer, Lucifer, worship. So they, they didn't interchange. By the way, those are three components of your experience with God, okay? So they weren't, they didn't start, you know, co-chairing that board. Was there another angel that was promoted? No, the Bible doesn't say that. So then who replaced Lucifer as the worship leader? Someone just said it. It's us. You and I were created 
to lead worship. And we have bought into this lie in the church that it's the responsibility of the worship leader to do the worship. We are the worship leaders. So when we assemble in this place like we do every week, it is our responsibility to offer up worship unto God. And do you realize that the same instruments that God put in Lucifer, he put in you? Some would say, well, how could that be? Well, number one, strings. God put it in you. I don't, your vocal cords. God put that within you. Percussion. Can you clap? Let me see. I know you can. Can you stomp your feet? Yeah? Yeah? Wind in you to worship God because you were created to bring glory and honor to him. So when he talks about, when the psalmist talks about uh, worshiping God, and you hear these instructions throughout the psalms that we are to lift our voices, that we are to, we, that's the string instruments, the clapping of hands, that's the cymbals clashing, the very breath, that's the wind singing. You are an instrument of worship. And everywhere we go, and every, every time we move, we should be putting off this sound that brings glory and honor to God. Are you with me? That brings glory and honor to God. So here's the foundation of this message as we start this series on worship. You're created to worship. God's called you to worship. And you have what you need to worship. Do you believe that this morning? I need you to stand to your feet then. Come on. Let's stand to your feet. Nobody leaving yet. Nobody moving yet. I didn't give you these, but he said, with your mind. You are to worship me with your mind. You know what that is? That's your attention. Because whatever you think about the most has become what you worship the most. And then he said, you are to worship me with your strength. That's your abilities. What do I do the most of? What do I put so much energy in? What do I put so much of my time in? God says, I want it first. Before you put all that energy and before you put all that time, before you put your talent there, before you put your treasure there, he said, make sure that I'm first. Because I don't want any idols above me. Make sure that I'm first. So today's not a day that I'm here to beat anybody up. Today's a day that I'm here to say, where's our priorities? So as we move about this week, some of the things I want us to be thinking about this week is, who will I not worship? And what will I worship? Or who will I worship? Who and what will I not worship? And who will you worship? Give God your very best. So I can't preach a message like this and then send you away without saying, let's take another opportunity to do what we were created to do. 
So now the symbols can begin to. Lifting up holy hands. We can begin to lift up our voice. Someone say, I've never done that in church. Well, today's a new day for you. I wasn't brought up that way. Well, praise the Lord. Right? I remember the first time, I remember I struggled with this so much, and I was brought up in church. And, you know, I kind of did that low praise. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The low praise? Everybody's looking at me. And then when I got comfortable with the low praise, I'm like, I'm going to lift it up a little bit. Then when I got comfortable with that, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And I'm like, yeah, I can get both hands up there. And it's always the enemy. Why? Because he's wanting to rob and steal the worship away from God and put it on something else. Been doing it from the beginning of time. He'll do it until the very end of time. But you have to decide, I'm not going to let him do that. And so today may be the very first day that you lift up your hand to the Lord. It's all right. The Bible says do a new thing. Today may be the very first time that you put those hands together and you give God praise. But it's all right. You were created to do that. Today may be the very first day that you lift up your voice. Listen. Listen. They tell me to quit singing all the time. I'm not singing for them or to them. It's all for him. Amen. And he can deal with it. He's all right with it, right? So we're going to leave here today. We're going to leave here giving God some glory, giving God some praise, and exalting and glorifying his holy name. And not only today, but throughout the week. So let's just hang out for about two minutes, and let's end this on a high note, giving God praise and giving him glory. And if you want to slip...